Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So as we get started, I want to just ask this question. Uh, who in this room can, uh, can testify that Jesus has changed your life? Raise your hand. That's good, that's good. Even those people who didn't, they're like, I better just raise my hand. I don't wanna be the one who's left out. Who can testify that you're a new type of person after expressing your faith in Jesus Christ? He's a new type of person. Awesome. Who can say that since giving your life to following Jesus and submitting to the scriptures, who, who can testify and say, my life has not been easy. I got more hands up for life's not being easy, right? So what I wanna to talk to us this morning or this afternoon about is having a holy endurance. Jesus doesn't promise us an easy life after we come to him. He promises to bring meaning to our life as we go through our life. He doesn't promise to take away every storm. He promises to be with you in your storm. So Roger Bannister was a runner. I am not a runner. I like to play basketball. Like in basketball and football, your punishment is running. If you're a runner, you just run. I never understood that. Two of my best friends in high school and college ran cross country. And I was like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're just running? Like, you just like to suffer? <laughs> like, anyway, I'm a basketball player, football player, not a runner. But Roger Bannister, he was a runner and he set out to break the record of the one mile race, which was not, had never been uh, beaten, which was the four minute mile. So running one mile in four minutes, under four minutes. It had never been done. Runners for over 70 years have been trying to accomplish this feat from North America, Europe, and across in Australia. And no one had been able to beat the four-minute mark. It had become much a, a, as much as a psychological barrier as a physical one, almost an unconquerable mountain. But then on May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. He ran it in three minutes and 59 seconds. Here's the crazy thing. 46 days later, after he had broken the barrier, another runner ran the mile in three minutes and 58 seconds. And then a year later, three runners broke the four-minute mile in one race. And then since then, over 1,000 people have broken the four-minute mile. So what does this tell us? Bannister's achievement unlocked the possibility to the rest of the world. If one person can endure the pers and persevere, suffering and impossible odds, they become a light to all who are yet in darkness. What we learn is that if one person can pioneer towards an achievement, others can look to them for endurance on their way to that goal. By looking to an example, it gives hope to our suffering, patience to our perspective, and brings meaning to our moment. So this, uh, this message is not about Roger Bannister. It is about Jesus Christ and how he in his life, death, 
and resurrection unlock the possibility of an abundant life that has meaning and purpose to all who will follow after him. Not to all who attend church, not to all who have a fish bumper sticker, but to all who follow him in his scriptures, in his word. So I want to learn a holy endurance. I do not want to go through life. I don't want to take my challenges, whether it be marriage problems, parenting problems, child custody problems, emotional problems, family tensions, all the difficulties that I have. I don't want to look to myself and to my neighbors about how to endure. I actually, I want to look to Jesus for the standard and the hope in which I'm supposed to live with. Amen? And so problems are gonna come, storms are gonna come, and we get to endure. Here's the thing. I, I took a trip with our young adults here at Res Life to Montana a few years back. And it was a 36-hour car ride with a bunch of young adults. People endured in different ways. Some complained. Others were annoying. Some were listening to music the whole time. Some were content, and we had a lot of mean muggers, so I call them. They just sit in the back and they just, they hopped in the car in the beginning. They were like high-fiving everyone, like, yeah. And then by like three hours in, they're like, are we there yet? No, we have 33 hours left. I'm so sorry. You see, we all had to endure the car ride, but each person's mentality determined how they endured. We will all have to endure hardship. It's how we endure that provides the light of the gospel to our worlds. You see, unbelievers are not supposed to look at how easy Christians' lives are to see the light of the gospel. They're supposed to look at the actions and attitudes of Christians in the midst of hardship, and that's what radiates light. It's not the absence of storms, it's how we endure the storm that it radiates the gospel to the world. There's a, there's a saying that me and my friend use, his name's Mike, is that you are the only Bible that most of your world will ever read. Your life is the message because they won't pick up their Bible. How are we gonna endure? And so this message isn't as much about how to get out of difficulty, although there is a message for that, or how to get out of trials, or how to have faith for, uh, for breakthrough, this message is about how to endure as you're traveling through the valley of the shadow of death. Not as popular of a message, <laughs> but more important, or just as important. So Hebrews 12 is our key passage that we're gonna be kind of working through the whole time says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. I started to pursue this message of, of holy endurance eight years ago. 
uh, I had recently been born again and recommitted my life to Christ. And I'd, I'd, I'd heard this message of holy endurance that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't lose my faith. I don't get mad at God. I carry the joy of the Lord wherever I go. I heard the message. I clung to it. And I said, God, it is not about how easy my life can be. It is about how bright I can shine. I got this message and I was running with it and I was meditating on it and I was reading the scriptures and I realized, whoa, almost all the scriptures are about endurance. They're not about getting out of hard times. It's about going through hard times. The disciples, 11 of the 12 of them were martyred, okay? They were killed for their faith and we think that we get exempt from all the hardship because we're in America. No, I wanna pursue Jesus. Come hell or high water, I ain't giving up my faith. See, that's an enduring faith. An enduring faith says, I'm, it's not for me. An enduring faith gets the attention off of my comfort and ease and pleasure, and it gets it on the kingdom of God expanding and hollowing the name of God in every environment. And so I'm there and I'm doing this and I'm, I'm like, yes, yes. But I, my life was pretty easy. I was a college student, you know what I mean? I was living on campus, having a bunch of fun, like having the time of my life playing basketball. And I'm like, yes, I'm gonna do this right when it happens. Senior year basketball, like title contenders for our division that we were gonna have a really good shot at winning nationals. I was gonna be, I was gonna be starting, like so ready. Two weeks before the season, I tear my ACL. Lose my entire senior season. But I had been sowing this seed of a holy endurance that no matter what comes, I'm fine because that's not the highlight of my day. That as soon as it happened, I'm like, God, this is gonna be such an amazing experience that either you're gonna heal me and if you don't heal me, I am shining bright for my teammates. I am gonna pray for people everywhere. I am gonna, I am, and, and I'm not embellishing this. My heart was like, God, you are gonna use this to speak louder than, than a national championship ever could. I ain't quitting on my team. I am feeling sorry for myself. I am using this to proclaim the name of Jesus louder than I ever could before when I was healthy. And I had this and I was like, yes. And here's the deal. I could have taken two different routes. I, I could have taken that route or I could have taken this route. God, I've been pursuing you. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I've been sharing my faith. God, how could you let this happen to me? That'd have been the, that's what my flesh was saying. But there's something inside of me that knew that that was just, that was a false way. That God, I wasn't entitled to anything. The only thing I'm entitled to is what the Lord has given me. And I'll take every piece, every broken piece that God allows me to have, and I'm gonna use it for the glory of his kingdom. And this is the message of the gospel is that I'm not entitled to anything, but to bring him fame, him honor, even if it costs me everything. So this message of holy endurance is something that I've been uh, moving in and, and attempting to live in by the grace of God for the last eight years of my life. So here's the things we learn from Hebrews 12. First thing is get some holy heroes. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that cloud of witnesses is like a stadium in which there's the football field and there are people all around in the stands and they're looking at the game that's being played. This cloud of witnesses are the people mentioned in the chapter before in Hebrews 11, David and Rahab and Sarah and Abraham and Moses and Noah and Joseph, all of the heroes of the faith that have trusted God in the midst of difficulty. These are our heroes. And he says, listen, your life, 
life is gonna be difficult. But listen, don't get your eyes on yourself. Don't get your eyes on your emotions. Don't get your eyes on your friends. Don't get your eyes on anything else. Look at the cloud of witnesses, all the people who have put their faith and trust in God in the midst of hardship, who never took it personally, who didn't waver, and who looked to the promise and said, God is faithful. Look at those people. Don't look at Justin Bieber. Don't look at Kanye. Don't look at LeBron. Don't look at Steph Curry. Don't look at Act. Don't look at Denzel. Don't look at Steve Harvey. Don't look at all the people that our culture calls heroes. Look at the true heroes. And here's the issue that I see in myself and many other people is that most of us know more information about our favorite athlete or musician than we do anything about the heroes of the faith. And then come hell and high water, here comes the difficulty and we're struggling to have a good attitude and we wonder why, it's because we've chosen the wrong heroes. We've chosen the wrong role models. How would Steve Harvey respond in this situation? (laughs) No, how did David respond? How did Abraham respond? How did Sarah respond? How did Esther respond? How did Ruth respond? How did, how did all of these heroes, and the problem that I see is that we don't know the heroes. If you wanna have a holy endurance, friends, you have to have the right heroes. You have to have the right role models. And if you wanna have a true holy endurance, you have to study their behavior before your storm comes. Find the right heroes. Second point is run your race and stop comparing. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us. Our life is compared to a race that we are running and we're supposed to run with endurance and we're supposed to not run our neighbor's race or our sister's race or our auntie's race or anyone's race. We are supposed to run our race that is set before us. If we want to have a holy endurance, we have to get through. We have to get through the cultural narrative that we are victims. We have to push through the cultural pressure to compare ourselves to everyone that's on Instagram and on Facebook and all the social media platforms. They are giving us highlights, not reality. We have to stop comparing ourselves and our followers and our incomes and our houses and our cars and all the things that we identify ourselves with. And we have to run our race. Friends, at the end of our lives, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, I will stand before God and I will have this many excuses. Zero. Well, God, you, you know all things. You know what my family was like. You know what my dad was like. God, you know, you surely, you know how difficult my spouse was. <laughs> you wonder why I lived? It's because you gave me that dad right there. Surely you can't. I mean, you understand. There are zero excuses. God has given us this life and it's a gift. And he's given us this life as a gift and he's given us his son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood, raised from the dead. He sends his spirit so that every excuse is eliminated. And the devil and culture will tell you, blame him, blame her, blame them. You're not responsible. It is the devil telling you that. When you, we stand, when I stand before God, there will be no excuses. And all I want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. 
You multiplied your life. You multiplied your pain. You redeemed everything that the devil had to give, give to you. You took every broken piece and you brought it to the altar so that I could bring beauty from ashes. Listen, friends, the enemy would love for you to believe that it's someone else's fault. You would love for, you, for us to sit in our seat and say, that's easy for you to say. Otherwise, we'll compare ourselves. Whose story's worse? Whose story's more dramatic? Who had it harder? Who had it this? Who had it that? Listen, friends, we can, we can try to compare or we can look to that man, Jesus, and believe that he came to make how many things new? All things new. And our culture, especially right now, is attacking the identity of people to make them think that they are not responsible for their lives. And I'm here to warn you on that day, when, you, when we stand before God, I will have zero. Because he has given us, he has blessed us in the spiritual realm with every spiritual blessing. He's given us the abundant life. He's given us everything that we need. And the devil would love for us to sit on our couches, sit on our phones, watching Netflix and feeling sorry for ourselves when God has prepared a life for us that is so much bigger and brighter than we could ever imagine. He would love you on the sidelines instead of in the game. John 10, 10, Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy and that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. But American Christians seem to think that abundantly equals easy that the abundant life equals an easy life. An abundant life equals a life with no storms. It's not true. Y'all testified to it. How many of you have had difficulties since being a Christian? All of you raised your hands. The abundant life is a life of peace and joy and strength and comfort in the midst of difficulty. It's a holy endurance. So run your race, stop comparing. Third point, focus on Jesus. Of course, it's focus on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason why we're supposed to look to Jesus is because we need to change the way we think. Jesus in the scriptures teach us how to think because we don't know how to think. We think we know how to think, but the thought that we have that we think we know how to think is a bad thought. Humility, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord says, God, I know nothing apart from you. Your wisdom is far above anything I could create, God. And I'm coming to you as clay. And I want you to mold me, mold my mind to think, act, and respond any way in which you want to act in me. And I assume that any thought that I have that brings me away from you is a toxic, demonic, evil, carnal thought, and I want nothing to do with it. I'm coming to you, Jesus, to renew my mind. I'm coming to the scriptures to change the way I think so that I can have a holy endurance that shines the light of the gospel in every, in every, in, in, in any situation. So I asked a few friends of mine who I know have gone through some difficult seasons to to answer the question, how have you endured the situation that they were in? And this, these are the responses that I got from three of my friends. One of my friends was going through a really, really terrible divorce 
battling, the child, battling in the courts through child custody. And I asked him, how did you endure this process? He says this, I chose to die to myself, trust God and keep my focus on Jesus. My battle is not with my ex-wife, even though that was the worst season of my life and it still continues to be very difficult. I know that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He says this, it's easy to take things personal and be in the flesh. I don't want that. I want the abundant life, so I'll keep my eyes on Jesus and continue to die to my selfish and flesh desires. God has got me. I witnessed this man walk through the divorce and then the courts and the child custody. And if you saw him at the pump, you'd be like, that's the happiest guy I've seen in a while. In the midst of it, he was going through this terrible times because he chose to put his focus on Jesus and exhibit the fruits of the spirit, even though life was hard. Another friend said this, never did I think I'd find myself in this situation two years of what doctors call infertility. I've been through surgeries, not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, and emotional difficulty. There's, th uh, there's things that I, that I did that helped and gave me hope, like a better diet, working out, and renewing the way I think. Things that I could do in the physical, but it could only do so much. What gave me hope? Being able to be real with myself and my husband, crying out to God in frustration of what is happening and allowing myself to mourn this season. Most importantly, remembering that Jesus paid not just for my salvation, but for my healing. I surrounded myself with good community who encouraged me. The love and support and prayer and encouragement that I've received has shown me the love of Jesus in this, uh, in this and how there is hope. I don't know how long this journey will be, but one thing I do know, whether we have this baby or not, my God is good and never changes. And he works all things for good. My hope is set on Jesus. And even with everything thrown my way, as long as I set my sights on him, I know I will be okay. Third friend says this, I remember being at my lowest and I was walking to my auntie's house. I didn't have no money. I didn't have a ride. There was no city bus because they stopped early. To add on to this, at a time I moved out from my parents because of things that were happening in the house. So I was walking for about two hours. I was going through a lot of stuff. I was exhausted. I wanted to give up and stay and just lay on the sidewalk, but I was still going, still walking, still enduring the pain I was going through physically and mentally. At that time, I never knew how I was still walking. I just kept pushing through the things I was going through. He blessed me with the ability to push myself and just keep going. But as I've gotten closer to Jesus, I realized it was in those moments where I'd given up that it was God who was carrying me through every single pain and hurt in my life. Him doing that for me made me realize I cannot overcome this world and the things I was going through without Jesus. I realized me depending on myself and not him would only have me fall into the world and become what the world is now. So how do I endure all the things and all the pain in the world? I rely on him to bring me through it. I rely on him as my provider rather than myself. I depend on him because if he brought me through it in the, uh, the, the last thousand times, I know he can do it again. You see, my friends, y'all, we all have stuff we're going through. We all are going through things, some of you more difficult than others, but we all have storms that come. And it's not about comparing ourselves and what we're going through. It's about us looking to Jesus and saying, I want a holy endurance. I want an endurance that shines the light of the gospel to the people that I'm watching, the people that are watching me and the people that I work with and the family that I'm, that I'm associated with. So, so focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Why do we look to Jesus? 
Why look to Jesus? It's because we were all born with a sin nature. Roman calls it being born into Adam. So basically all of us are born sinners. Everyone say sinners. Jesus in his resurrection turns us into saints, but we like to call it grave clothes. We all have old thinking, old relating, old ways of, of operating that are still part of the carnal or sinful nature. Even though God sees us as righteous, we still have old parts of us that still think toxic thoughts. And so we focus on Jesus to renew our minds. So from birth, we act like a sinner. We react like a sinner. We objectify women like sinners. We love like sinners. We parent like sinners. <laughs> and we do our best. But ultimately, we were born into Adam. That's why God tells us that we must be born again. We must think different. We must be set apart. We must be different types of people in the world that we live in. And I was asking this question, have you ever wondered why Jesus demands that we offer him our whole life to come to him? Like, why does Jesus tell us in the scriptures that we must pick up our cross, deny ourselves and follow him? Why does he tell us to give us our whole life to follow him? Here's one reason why. Because every thought, reaction and way of operating that we learned as kids is toxic and worthless. It's garbage. The way that you learned how to treat women, the way that you learned how to relate to your parents, the way that you learned to treat your uh, siblings, the way that you learned to treat your boss, the way that everything that we learned was carnal. And it, it says this in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And so we must come to God like a child. It says, if you wanna see the kingdom of heaven, you must become like one of these. You must become like a child. So why do we come to Jesus? And we lay everything behind us because everything behind us is what's killing us. Everything behind us is what's destroying our relationships and destroying the things in our lives because we're operating outside of the will of God. So we come to Christ and we come to his scriptures because they renew our mind and they change the way that we think so we can have a holy endurance. So we can endure the storms, not like our neighbors who are unsaved, but we endure our trials and hardships like Christians. We don't take it personal. So fourth point that I wanna get through. So third point is focus on Jesus. The last point is consider what Jesus went through. It says this in, in Hebrews 12, verse three. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. So the way that we do not grow weary or faint hearted is not to try really hard, beat ourselves up for being depressed and anxious. It's not listen to worship songs. It's not to do, it's not to complain. The way that we, that we avoid being weary and faint hearted and discouraged is by considering him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So what does that mean? Focus on what Jesus endured on his way to the cross. Focus on it, consider it, ponder it, slow down and study it for yourself. What did Jesus actually go through? In Matthew chapter four, it shows us that the devil tempts Jesus in the wilderness and Jesus overcomes the temptation of pride. So the devil thought when he was tempting Jesus 
that humans always fall to pride. Humans are selfish, they're self-centered, they'll do anything for themselves. And so he attacks Jesus with an opportunity to indulge in pride. He says, turn this rock into bread. And Jesus answers him and he, he actually, uh, he works through the temptation and the test that was before him. So the devil, this isn't, this isn't blatantly in scripture, it's just how I play it out. The devil then goes and he says, if I can't get Jesus through pride, I'll get him through suffering. If I can't get humanity through their pride, I will close darkness around them so much until they fold and start blaming God and they'll shipwreck their faith. I'm gonna let them go for a little bit, accumulate some success, accumulate a nice little family. I'm gonna give them a little space, hold off demons, don't bother them. I'm setting them up. That's all about them. They think they're going to church and they think their relationship is all about God. And I'll, I'll show them, I'll show them. As soon as they think they're in this good space, we're gonna close close in on the darkness, take everything from them. And then I'll show God that his children only love him for what he can do for them. This is what he thought of Jesus. This is what he thinks of us. That we can't take suffering. But we can take suffering. Not because we can, but because we have the Savior and the same God who endured the suffering who lives inside of us. Some of us are in this room and we feel all hopeless. We feel like we can't make it. There's some who may even be suicidal in deep depression and they're gonna say, where's my hope, friends? Listen, Jesus is not far from the brokenhearted. The devil wants you to think that God's holding back from you because you're doing something wrong. Listen, friends, it's a simple mind shift. It's a simple, yes, I said shift. It's a simple mind change of your minds. And when we do, it allows, it's called faith, it's trusting God and it's hope. We change the way that we think and we, ch- and we go to the scriptures and we say, God, this is where I'm at and I'm, I am not going to let the darkness close in. God, you are good. And you start worshiping God. What should we do in dark times, times of suffering? Don't take it personal. Worship. Don't take it personal. Remind the devil who your God is. I like to think about it this way. You get a chair, you, you need to do this. I, I've done this before. I've gone through a hard time emotionally, th- whatever the time is, you grab a chair, it's an empty chair, right? And you get your chair, you sit down in your chair. You look to that chair and you imagine the devil sitting there. You say, devil, you're gonna watch me worship Jesus right now. You say, devil, you sit there, you put a little seatbelt on him like the kids at the table. You know, I got two kids, you strap them in. You say, you're not going anywhere, devil. You are gonna watch me Worship God and I am gonna glorify God in the midst of my suffering. You, how, you do that and watch what God does. But it's enduring. Don't do it one time and say, God, it didn't work. It's an inner thing that says, God, I trust you. And I don't know what to do. I'm not gonna do it perfectly. I might say the wrong words, but God, I am not gonna sit in the pit of despair. My life is too valuable. Your kingdom is too good. I ain't settling for that low, that low bar, God. I want more. 
And if you'll do that, doesn't matter if you're depressed, don't matter if you're divorced, don't matter if anything, you come to God with that heart, your life will be flipped upside down. You will see the beauty in every day and God will show up in your life and you will have a contentment and endurance like no other. But friends, it does not happen by accident. It doesn't happen you watching Netflix three hours a day. It doesn't happen you arguing on Facebook. It happens when you go alone in the secret place when no one's looking and you go to God and you say, God, I want more. I'm not settling for less. I'm not settling for Facebook arguments. I'm not settling, God, for the status quo of my culture. God, I want a life that is abundant, that is filled with your work and your testimonies and your presence, God. And even if people don't understand me, even if people don't, if they laugh at me, God, even if I don't experience breakthrough in the midst of it, God, I will endure because your kingdom and your, your son, Jesus, endured the cross. If he can endure, I can endure. It may not be perfect. I may have some ups and downs, but my trajectory is forward. Friends, it is not that difficult. It's a hard thing. So he thinks that we're all about ourselves. Consider what he went through. Here's just a few of the things that Jesus went through on his way to the cross. He was mocked, cursed, beaten, publicly stripped naked, disrespected, spit on. Like God himself sat there while a Roman soldier spit in his face and mocked him and he didn't retaliate in sin. He's wrongfully accused. His 12 closest friends betrayed him and abandoned him. He was gossiped about, tortured, executed. You sense this, all the powers of darkness closing in on Jesus. In the last days he was on earth and intensified each hour that passed. All these things closing in on him while Jesus had only done good. He healed the blind. He fed the multitudes. He cleansed the lepers. He, he forgave sin of the woman caught in adultery. He delivers demonically oppressed people. He's only ever done good, and yet all this bad is happening to Jesus. And he never reached his breaking point. He never responded in kind. He never lost hope in humanity. He's on the cross. Everyone's abandoned him. He's been stripped naked, all embarrassed in the middle of two criminals hanging on the cross. And he has all power, all authority. He's the creator of the universe. He created all of the people that were there. He is the source of life. And yet he's misunderstood. He's hanging on the cross. I know how y'all would have responded. If you, had the, if you had the authority to call down 72,000 angels, like the scriptures teach that he could, you'd have been like, angels, sick them. <laughs> Y'all would have been like, no, man. You'd been like, God, I can handle the beating. If that dude spits in my face one more time, God, I'm sending Grave Girl down with that sword, baby. He's going down. We're gonna show him what we're made of. That's what y'all would have done. Jesus doesn't do that though. How did he endure for the joy set before him? You see, his perspective was not on what was happening to him. His perspective was on what God was doing through him. 
Sometimes we get so focused on what's happening to us, we forget what God's trying to do through us. Now, God is the giver of all good things. James talks about every good and perfect gift comes from the, from the heavenly father. Every good and perfect gift. But we take that as when bad stuff's happening, we get mad at God. Why would we ever get mad at God? If we trust him, we trust him, right? So all these things are coming in on him. And once again, it says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint heart. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says this, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. We, we, we hear all the time that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but we almost, we, 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 we color it in black and white where we don't bring a 3D dimension to what was happening in that moment where Jesus is on the cross. It's not that your and my sin was upon him, it's that he was enduring actual sin that was being committed against him in the moment. His friends betraying him, being embarrassed, being spit on, being rejected, being misunderstood. All of these sins were hitting him and you and I would have folded every time and yet he endured it with a perspective and he hangs on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The darkness was closing in and he didn't fold. He didn't respond. I like to think about it this way. He broke the four minute mile. Adam gave us our original design. He gave you your thoughts. He gave you your responses. He gave you your reactions, but we look to Jesus for our new way. You guys, we have a new master. You're no longer the master of your life. Your master is that man, Jesus Christ, who said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And if he did it, he sends his spirit to empower us to live just like it so that we would be the body of the body. So it means the way that he thinks we're supposed to respond. It means the way that he lived, we model and follow after. The darkness is closing in. And he says this in John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. No matter what darkness we are going through, the light of the gospel always shines through. But the scriptures teaches that if your eye is single, your whole body will be flooded with light. But if your eye is double, how great is the darkness that is within you? That means that if your focus is on yourself and this focus is on me and your focus is on how life is treating you, it says you are double-minded, not thinking about the things of God. You are thinking about the personal things and how it's affecting us. And God is saying, but if your eye is focused, your whole body will be flooded with light. Focus on Jesus, consider what he's went through. And, and I, know how, I know how we are, I know how I am. We're thinking, Jake, that's nice. You know, like Jesus could do that. He's God, I'm me. Listen, friends, listen to this story in Acts, Acts 7. Stephen is a, is a disciple of Christ, a Christian, and he's preaching the gospel to, to uh, some religious leaders. And they end up rallying the troops, and they ended up, um, rallying everyone to stone and to kill Stephen. So Stephen is preaching the gospel to decide to murder him. So he's sitting there in that, in that little town and people start gathering rocks and they put him against the wall and they start throwing rocks at him to kill him. And he's getting pelted by rocks, not for any, doing anything wrong, but for sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the forgiveness of sin and the supremacy of Jesus. And and it says the heavens open up and he sees God, the Father, and he sees Jesus. And he looks up and then he 
says this, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Here's what I know. If we'll be obedient to Christ, put our attention and focus on him, if we'll consider what he went through, we'll be able to endure things we never thought we could. But if we do it on our own strength, if we take things personal and we think like the world, we will go through our life looking just like everyone else, which is not what we were intended for. We were intended for the abundant life. We were intended to live with endurance that glorifies God. Now, if we go through things, God is right there. He is close to the brokenhearted, but it doesn't mean that he wants to empower our weakness. He wants to give us strength to endure with a holy, godly endurance that advances his kingdom. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes as we close? question I wanted to end with is, are you tired? Not like tired because you stayed up late watching fireworks last night and you didn't get enough sleep. Like, are you tired? Like tired of carrying the weight of your life on your own, tired of the sin that keeps you stuck, tired of the brokenness, you tired. There's only one place where you can have rest. There's only one person who can give you peace. And most importantly, there is only one way where we can receive forgiveness of every sinful act we've ever done. The only way is rejecting our old life, humbling ourselves before God and looking at what Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection and realizing that we deserved that death, but God who is rich in mercy has offered his son as a sacrifice so we could be forgiven. The only way to have true rest is to forsake our life and receive the forgiveness that's found in Jesus and to start following him. If you've never done that, or maybe you've grown up in church, but you've never put a stake in the ground, drawn a line in the sand and says, I'm done with my old life. I'm moving ahead with a new life. If you've never done that, today is your day. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. When you're raising your hand, it's an outward expression of what God is doing on the inside of you. No person, I cannot save you. Your family cannot save you. Your parents cannot save you. There is only one who can save you. And that is the man, Jesus Christ and is expressing your faith and devotion to him, even though there's mystery. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hands and I wanna pray with you. One, two, three, raise your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Praise God. My hand's going all over the place. Let's pray together. Would everyone just repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me, even though I do not deserve it. Thank you for sending Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin and raising back to life so that I can have a new life. I repent of my old ways and I dedicate my life 
from this day forward to follow Jesus and his scriptures. Take this broken life. Do with it what you may. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.